0: What up, guys? We're back at it again with another podcast with myself, Nair, Denny, and Meldon. Uh, today's guest is Spin Sheldon. Um, I'm sure if you're local to Bowling Green, you probably know him or have heard of him, but uh, I'm gonna let him introduce himself while we pour up the wine
1: yeah um my name is spence sheldon um i happen to just um own donato's pizza here in bowling green kentucky um still don't have it figured out still have a lot to learn um but i look forward to just hanging out with you guys for the next hour or so Um, i'm excited thank you thank you for having me first off
0: thank you for coming Um,
1: i appreciate it more than you know it gives me a chance to kind of um kind of sit back and reflect a little bit which uh, you know um, I don't do a lot of. You're just constantly on the go, and so when you when you're invited to do stuff like this, um, it really allows you to sit down and just kind of think about how far you've come, uh, good and bad. And so uh, I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. So it's much. like a little therapy session. Yeah, seriously, absolutely. It's a, it's a it's it's definitely therapy for me just to uh, have some guys to just listen. You know, yeah. It, it's just you know. You either, um, and just getting
2: feedback. So, anyways, I appreciate you guys. Thank you. Yeah. So, I uh, just, uh, kind of tell us how you started, like, you know, a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah. Oh, gosh. So, born and raised in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Um, this town has just smothered me over the last two years. So, I'm so appreciative to this town. I pray I never, um, You know, lose my love for Bowling Green just because I just appreciate um, what they've done for this kid and allowed me to play adult the last two years. And so, um, so a little bit about myself: I've got three brothers and a sister, Um, so I have a big family. I got a a mom and a dad that are unbelievable, um, that just taught us how um, you know gratitude and how to work, I guess. Um, And so, um, from a young age, we were just uh, we were going to work for everything that we ever got. Um, and so, you know, a lot of those are principles that I still, uh, carry with me today. And so, um, grew up in town, went to Bowling Green Christian Academy, ended up going to Central, uh, with Denny for, you know, for three years. Um, you know, I'll, long story short, I transferred to IMG Academy in Florida, uh, to play basketball down there was never the plan. Uh, <laughs> always been, you know, a mama's boy was never going to move too far from home. Uh, but a series of events just kind of, um, happened and I landed in Florida and, um, had to grow up quick. You know, that's been kind of like a common theme in my life, but, um, at 16 years old, I just kind of moved away from home to follow a dream and, um, and that dream to play division one sports. Um, and so, um, I did that, went to IMG, came back and then ultimately walked on at Western Kentucky and played three years there here in my hometown and played basketball there. And so, um, you know that's that's a little bit about me and how this all came to be, and then um, moved to Nashville for a year right after college sports, um, and I guess if there's anything to talk about there it was probably one of the one of the most defining um, seasons of my life was transitioning from being an an athlete to to jumping into the real world, because yeah. um, all you've done for 24 years for me was basketball. I mean that's sure. what I did. It was sports. That's what that's where I learned my life lessons. That's where I. Um, That's kind of who made me, and at that point, the kind of the way I explain it is, you know, I was 24, dribbling on a little Nerf ball, you know, around the kitchen again, and it didn't make any sense to me. So you're starting over, and so I went through a crazy season trying to figure out who I was and what I wanted to be and what I wanted to represent uh, and who I, you know, who did – I wasn't going to make my friends proud. You know, who who was I when I looked into the mirror? And so I went through a crazy season of the, of the, the drugs and the alcohol and the girls trying to figure out who I was. Um, and that wasn't healthy for anybody. That was just a walking tornado. And so um, at that point. I kind of just said, you know what? It's time to go. It's time to start. You just you have one of those defining moments where you wake up, you've kind of hit rock bottom and you're like, "Who the heck am I?" And so sure. at that point, you know, you you grasp to family. And that's why, you know, I'm so sure. heavy on my family. And so at that point, you just go to the drawing board and kind of figure out um what what the next step is or how do I jump into the real world? And at that point, at 24 years old, the next step was Donatos. And so um if you, you know, and I guess that kind of leads us into uh-huh. why I'm here for sure, uh, for sure. but uh, yeah essentially that's kind of how my upbringing um you know I come from a <laughs> a successful father so that that in itself was extremely uh that was a tough bit for me because uh I knew I didn't have my dad's story and so um if there was another motivator for me to get to work and prove something to somebody, it, it was the fact that I didn't have my dad's story. My dad, you know, grew up without a father. His, his dad died in the military, got shot down, and so he went to school on a war orphan scholarship. Um, and I didn't have that story. I, I had the story of, oh, his dad's successful, so he's going to get everything yeah. that he's ever been Spoils, handed to yeah. him. Absolutely. And so at, at, young, at 24, it was a chip on my shoulder. Yeah. Now I look at it as, listen, it, you can, we can sit here and argue all day about how this building got here and full disclosure, my yeah. father is my investor. Of course. Um, uh, but you can't deny the fact that I've showed up every single day. And there is no the fact that denying the fact that I'm here for my customers every single day and it's beyond pizza. And so... That, you know, that forced me to work a whole lot harder than, than most. I, just because, or that was just a huge motivating factor early on is because, you know, it was going to be a handout. Daddy was going to do it for him. Daddy was going to yeah. give him this. And um, bothered me, yes. But at the end of the day, why not? You know, if you don't know me or understand my family, you have every right in the world to think that. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, that, that was a struggle early on. But, yeah, I mean, that's essentially how it came to be. And um, I'm sure you guys have questions about it. But, you know, I, you know, I just... Um, I mean, uh, we went to
2: work. What made you want to get into the restaurant industry and stuff like that?
1: Yeah, never the plan. (laughs) I just wanted to start. Uh, I think if there's anything for any young entrepreneur, um, really, I wouldn't figure out what you're about to do, but really figure out why you're about to do it. Um, For me, it was uh, I wanted to do life with people. I wanted to hang out with people. I wanted to love on people. I wanted to um, celebrate them when they needed to be celebrated, but also give them a big old hug when they're having a rough day. You can do that in a plethora of ways. It doesn't have to be a restaurant. Um, But at the end of the day, I had pizza. I didn't have to go look for those people, right? They came to me. Um, And so Donato's as a whole, it was just – we tried it one time. That's how little we knew about the restaurant industry. I mean, if anyone knows, you have to have a product. It can't just be – you know, show, you're only going to come see me and my staff or somebody on my staff, maybe once a month, every two months, maybe three months. Um, you have to show up for a product. You, you know, essentially we're selling your product. It's got to be consistent. It's got to be good. We ate Donato's one time. Me and my dad, ah, that's pretty good. Well, you know, and, and went after it, idiots. Um, <laughs> and so, um, uh, you know, thank the good Lord. We, we, we have a product that's actually pretty darn good because the, the place will sustain itself too, without me being there some days. And so, um, so essentially, that's kind of why I chose the, the restaurant industry and just the whole idea of serving, y'all. Like, it's not for everyone. Um, but I think as an entrepreneur, the quicker we understand how to humble ourselves um, and just get beneath people, yeah. um, the better off we will, the better off we'll be, and the better we'll be at our jobs. Um, you know, the rest kind of falls in line after that. And so uh, what better way to, to gain that valuable lesson than the service industry? And so that's essentially, you know, kind of how we came up on restaurants as a whole. And I had to be going. Yeah. I, I wasn't one of those guys who was going to sit behind a desk. I just needed to be moving, shaking, doing something, I, you know, staying yeah. busy. in the restaurant, oh, my gosh, there's always something to be done. I can do something at all hours of the day. Something needs to be done. Yeah. Um, and so I just don't feel stagnant. And so I appreciated that aspect of it, too.
0: Why, why did you choose the Donato's? You had plenty of franchises yeah. to choose from. You chose Donatos. It's a
1: great question. So we we did. We looked at we looked at two or three different uh, <laughs> two or three different franchises, um, and so I I have to backtrack a little bit. So once we landed on restaurants, we knew nothing about restaurants, right? So at the end of the day, we had to have a cheat sheet. I knew I wanted to go to work. I knew I wanted to treat people really well. Past that, I knew nothing. I didn't know how to set up accounts with vendors. I didn't know how um, the flow and functionality of a kitchen even. I was a server for a year. I I really didn't even understand that. And so I had to have a cheat sheet. So franchising was the way to go. Um, We looked at, um, gosh, I don't know. We looked at juice companies. We looked at nukes. We looked at, um, and if I had to really get down as to why I chose Donato's was, number one, the people. I would say um, their their uh, morals and principles were very aligned with what our family had done in the past. Um, just promoting goodwill, just yeah. essentially, you know, the golden rule, or or just uh, just loving on people. Like I, I think at the end of the day, or the customer service piece, um, it made tons of sense. But past that, they were the only ones. Honestly, y'all, if I could if I could date back, it's been a while. They were the only ones that really took me seriously. Yeah, I was twenty four years old, didn't have a pot to pee in. And did nothing. I was serving tables in Nashville, pretty much living uh, with, with a with a girl, bouncing back and forth. I mean, essentially, I had I, what what yeah. in the, you know what I mean? What they? But they took me seriously, yes. and so I was on the phone with the franchise and made a few trips back and forth before the, the word capital ever came out of their mouth. Like, well, how are you gonna? You know, what's the where's the money coming from? So it went about two and a half three weeks to where I was on the phone uh, with Mr. Bender you know, walking myself through this franchise. And I was 24 years old, didn't know what the heck I was doing. I look back now, oh, my gosh, y'all. Like, there's no way they should have took me seriously. <laughs> but they did. Yeah. And so, so therefore, I was sold. I was in. And, and 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 thank God, at the end of the day, too, I had a dad that um, saw who I was becoming, not who I was, right, because I, he shouldn't have ever invested in me yeah. at, that, at that age, too. So, I, you know, I'm so fortunate and so blessed in and, and a series of events, you know, just kind of just kind of took place to, to land in me where I was but honestly, they're the only ones that took me seriously. Everyone else was like, eh, okay, cool dude, we'll send you an email and then I think yeah. like my email was like, Spent Sheldon at Rocketmail.com, <laughs> and like I think I think eventually they're like, "What the freak is Rocketmail? Like, like like what is this kid doing? Like well, he's, he just come out of middle school." And so um, at that point, yeah, most people just never reached out, didn't care, um, and you know that for good reason they've got to keep a lot of stuff private, and you don't want this 24 year old kid that woman. was probably yeah. you know hung over, you know uh, giving him giving me information. So I, I get it. I, I'm not faulting any of the other franchise that I just named I'm just saying Donato's is the only one either smart enough or dumb enough to to let me in so. yeah
0: were you sitting on your couch man one day and like in Nashville because you were yeah you were serving, serving and yeah. you were like damn I got to do something with my life and is that kind of what fueled it was it overnight or was it over a span of six months where you're like shit I need to open something up
1: yeah um it was definitely not overnight and I'll be honest with you why I'm so adamant about the start for entrepreneurs um is because it was never what i wanted to do it was never in the timing of what i wanted to do um i just knew i wanted to go i wanted to start we were just talking about this podcast you guys were just sitting around talking and then a boom a month later here you are you have no idea (laughs) the um uh, how far ahead of the game you guys are when it comes to entrepreneurship honestly the idea, the fact that you it popped into your brain a month later, here we are with this unbelievable setup. It, kudos to you guys. because Because yeah, for me, it was, I knew what I wanted to do. I had so many options, right? I had this dad that was willing to invest. Yeah. And so I had so many options, right? What did yeah. I want to do? Where was I going to go? Y'all, I, I thought I was decent at everything. You know, what do they say? You know, um, pretty good at something, a master or none. That was yeah, me. Yeah. Like, I could do a lot of things. Athlete, pretty good with people. Could, could, you know, worked for my uncle's dry cleaners, worked for, you know, my dad for a while. People, you know, I had this knack for, for treating people well and they were buying into whatever I was doing behind the counter. Um, and I had so many options, but I, I, I literally, I couldn't land on any of them. It took me probably opening up, I opened up young, 24, but it, I could have probably opened up at 22 if I just had the brain and I understood really this whole entrepreneurial mindset of just go. I've just start. Yeah. Because once you start and you're the best, you know, say you want to open up a stinking Popsicle stand. Like if, say, if you're the best Popsicle stand on the block, other doors are going to open up. Yeah. That first job, that first gig is not going to be the job you want. It's not necessarily. But I promise you, if you're the very best at what you do, yeah. the, the next the op- next is coming, right? And then your dream job is just around the corner. You've just got to buy in and you've got to do the small stuff in a big way early on. Um, to get there. So so back to your question to bring it full circle is, no, it wasn't overnight. It took me way too dang long. It took me two or three years to try to figure out what the heck I wanted to do with my life and I still didn't have it figured out when I started. Yeah. And that didn't. Still don't. Still don't have my life figured out. Still don't know. I have big dreams, big aspirations and I know what keeps me up at night. But at the end of the day, I didn't know. I still didn't. I cried like a baby to my mom <laughs> the night before I opened. I cried like a baby. I was in Destin, Florida. I took a week trip with my mom. Cried. Mom, this isn't for me. This isn't what I wanted to do. I thought I was bigger.
2: Yeah, yeah. Right?
1: I thought I was bigger than being the pizza boy. Yeah. Dude, if I can give anyone a life lesson about entrepreneurship, get get out of your own way, get out of your own head of the pride. Don't let the pride sit in and really understand it's about getting beneath your customers, beneath your employees, serving them and in return the bank account's going to probably look pretty good later on. I'm just telling you. I thought I was bigger than it. Yeah. I thought I was bigger. I didn't want to do it. Didn't want to do it. So so the answer is I never figured it out. I still, There's still more wow. I wanted to do, but I'm so thankful for the two and a half years I've had and the season I've had um, of humbling myself and serving people. It's done more for me in building the brand that I want to build, whether it be restaurants or whether it be the next venture. Um, so I never figured it out, ever. I just went. I just said I was going to start, and I think that's a huge thing for entrepreneurs. Sorry. Start. Go. Yeah. Begin something. Don't sit on your ass and, and play Fortnite. Yeah. Like go. Start. Begin. Just just jump. Because I promise you, you'll feel a lot. You just got to be the best. You got to treat people the best. First off, yeah. you got to treat people better than anybody on the block, and you got to work harder than anybody on the block. You'll be the best, and, and, and you have a high, you know, success rate. I promise you. So I never figured it out. Never, uh, you know, honestly, I don't think I'll ever figure it out. I think I'll just keep going until um, the ambition inside of me kind of floats out. But other than that, no, it was not. It was a process, and I wish, and that's what I tell everyone, I wish I was just smart enough to just start somewhere. Yeah, you know, and so.
0: The hardest part is starting because I've I haven't done something on the level of Donato's, but I've opened up like car shops and dealerships and all that shit. Right. But yeah, the big thing is, is just starting because when I called them about the podcast, the first thing I told them was we need to do something every day. So in a month we want to be in here because if you say like, hey, we'll do it next week, you know, we'll get it started. I got this idea, but we'll do it. We'll get it started later. It's never going to start. Never will. yeah Yeah. so the big thing is starting
1: yeah absolutely go jump goodness gracious man like i I just uh, i'm so adamant about that because i know how much time i wasted and people would say oh my gosh you opened up young i'm going y'all i could have opened up two years before i had the dad willing to do it i played around for a year and a half two years waiting on that thing that i loved like our generation like millennials like we're we're terrible about it yeah like i want to love what i'm doing I want to love dude i promise you that thing you love is right around the corner if you just go yeah if you go you're not going to get and listen and and, and 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 some people do they jump in like a music industry or you know they just happen to be a crazy talent and and my thing is that you know my my prayer for everyone is don't take advantage of that if that dream job is, is sitting there waiting for you because you went to professional school and you got a four-year degree that i wasn't willing to do or or you um or, or that dream job just happens to land in your lap right after college Dude, don't take advantage of it like that or you know that's my thing it's like that's what pisses me off more than anything it's like dude i would have done anything to have my dream drive right out of college but the reality is is that that doesn't happen for the majority of us absolutely not and if it does for you and you're gonna half-ass that like i'm out like that like i don't no no no, don't that's not me i I don't appreciate that at all because i would have dreamed to have that restaurant handed to me you know, that, that I want to retire off of one day or that clothing line or that music label or that, you know, all those. Things. I would have dreamed to have that. And who are you to sit back and just to pretend like this is the way it's supposed to be? It's yeah. not. That's that's not the way yeah. it is, especially for entrepreneurs. You've got to buy into the fact that, you know, life for you is not going to look as glamorous as most people think it is for two or three years. It's yeah. just the reality. So for
0: sure. Since we're talking about the little like darker times. Yeah. Uh, you said something about depression and drugs and all that. Yeah. Is that a point in life where you don't regret? Because I feel like that's part of your fuel now. Yeah. And, like, people out there, they're probably thinking, like, they think they're at their lowest points ever, but they don't realize right over that hill is is their next step.
1: Yeah. I mean, gosh. I think, um, God, yeah, love that question. I, uh, if I look back, I was, I was feeling something, right? And, um, I, I think if we all dated back to drugs or, or, um, or or alcohol or, or, or substance or any kind of, you know, vice that we may have, we were all filling some kind of hole. Right. And so I think at that time it was filling this, this, this hole for me that I just wanted to feel, I wanted to be back on my high horse as a division one athlete. I wanted to, there was just so much sense of pride about me. And there was only one thing that was going to do that. And that was cocaine. And so it was just, um, it was just a daily thing for me. Do I regret it? Absolutely not. I think I knew. I was never, quote, unquote, an addict. Um, I knew it wasn't there to stay, but it was filling the hole. And I think if I go back to why it took mm. me so long to open up my first venture, I would undeniably say yeah. th- the drugs were a huge part of that. Yeah. That that dopamine high was what was was what I needed to get me through that day, and I didn't have to think about uh, the high of owning my own business yeah. or a high of What's having nice? my own family yeah. Yeah. And, and, and providing for my kids and and the high of having my faith. And so, um, you know, do I regret it? Absolutely not. I think it takes a lot of rough days for you to really appreciate the good ones. Oh, um, yeah. And I get that a lot. Man, how do you stay so upbeat? You know, because I know what a bad day looks like. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Sure. And I think almost all the beautiful people do. Like my hardest workers come from the roughest homes. Yeah. By far. And I asked them, like, gosh, well, how do, what makes you so different than all the other 16-year-olds? And then the one common denominator is, you know, divorced family or not even living with their family or just lost their mom or just lost their dad, or lost their, you know, lost their mom to drugs or cancer or, you know. I, so I don't ever re- regret the dark moments. And, and if I could give any kind of message of hope, it's, you know, you come out on the other side. Get a few, you know, get a few really dope friends and uh, find a reason to live outside of yourself um and 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 go after it I would say no I don't I don't regret it one bit um I learned a lot about myself through those stages and I learned a lot about my friends I think if anything you teach yourself during those dark dark seasons to who you want to surround yourself with and who's going to motivate you to get to where you want to go and and who's essentially going to be dead weight and who's going to bring you down and and th- that changes right that's not to say that those people in that season, are there to stay and just because you had to drop them off on one season doesn't mean that they can come walk back i've got sure. plenty of those friends sure. i got plenty of those friends to where it's like yo we had a rough patch together i think it's best we disperse but look at, and then two years down the road look at us now yeah. it was healthy for us to split now here we are now you're still we're still boys right now and yeah. it's a beautiful thing you know <laughs> and, and that's something to really take into consideration just you know but um no i don't i don't regret it absolutely not
2: uh, speaking of dark days, everybody sees the the good side of donato is successful <laughs> this and that I'm sure there yeah. was trials and tribulations that nobody has you can, uh you can push it cool. has seen what's something that you actually like remember that's like the tough times <laughs> starting donato
1: dude y'all like if I even told you you guys would flip out I mean there were nights I slept in the restaurant yeah uh there were nights there were there were uh, i mean multiple nights me and my mop bucket at three a m just bawling my eyes out um you know, wasn't worth it. Just kind of had, it didn't matter at that point, at that point, And, you know, I'll piggyback off this and as to most entrepreneurs really need to understand, it's gotta be more bigger than money because at that point it didn't matter what I was driving away in. It didn't matter what home I was going into yeah. at 3am when it's me and my stinking mop bucket, mopping this whole dang restaurant and I'm bawling my eyes out. It didn't matter. You know that why was I doing that? You know, and we can talk about that. I'm sure we will later, but, um, yeah, man, I, I remember coming back from vacation one time and clearing house, fired all my managers and pretty much start over after a year, a year in. Yeah. A year in. You learn a lot about your employees. Uh, and take a vacation,
2: you know. <laughs> you, know you, learn, you learn a lot about them.
1: And so you get, I get back and I pretty much cleaned house and started over a year in. Um, that was extremely tough on me because I went from working, you know, that first six, seven months, I never left. You know, 70, 80-hour weeks, 90-hour weeks, that's just the norm. Sleeping, waking up, cutting the veggies every morning, doing the you know, doing the hard stuff because I wanted to be there. Yeah. I wanted the customers to know that I cared. Um, I wanted my employees to know that I cared. But also, I'm, just, I'm trying to develop a culture and a brand for myself, and I didn't know what that was at that point. And the only way for me to really figure that out is to figure out who I wasn't. And if I figured out who I wasn't, the only way to do that was to be there. And to, and to constantly see the culture that I was creating and what was really going down. And, and so you just had to be there. And so um, those were the dark days. Those were definitely the rougher days where I, there was just weeks I would go home. I mean, I lived off Peanuts and Powerade. I was telling somebody the other day, Peanuts and Powerade for about six months. The only thing open was IGA. You know, yeah. I didn't want, wasn't going to eat a greasy burger before bed because I wasn't mentally going to be prepared to, to wake up the day tomorrow. So I went to IGA or, or Kroger, sorry, and it was the only thing open at like two, three a.m. Peanuts, Powerade, peanuts, Powerade. Just crush them. Go to bed. Wake up. Do it all over again tomorrow. Yeah. And you say, Spence, why didn't you hire someone? You know, da, da da da. Early on, I was so focused on building a culture that I wanted that was going to last. Don't don't necessarily try to figure out what's going to work. Figure out what's going to last. I would tell that to any entrepreneur. Yeah. I knew it worked. I could go get the Arby's guy that's cutting veggies and he could come in here with you know and, and, and do what I want what I'm doing right now. But at the end of the day I wanted a culture and I wanted to be there and I wanted to show everyone in that kitchen that I was willing to work harder uh, than they were. And so that was the culture that I developed for myself. And so yes, 70, 80, 90 hour a week, sleeping in the restaurant, waking up, open to close, open to close, open to close. That was just the norm. I mean, it just was, I lost so much weight. Um, couldn't work out, couldn't, I wasn't mentally where I was. I had an employee work for me the first year, went off to college, came back three years, uh, this third year. And, uh, literally was like, Spencer, you are so much happier than, than you were then. I was like, yeah, heck, I'm not working 90 hours a week anymore. You know, it's like I'm not, you know, I was sleeping on that bar stool over yeah. there. On that, you know, I was sleeping on that little thing. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to over exaggerate. I probably spent the night in that restaurant, probably seven to ten times. But the reality was I was leaving at two, going home to my place, getting back there at six. But there were some nights where I cut you know, it was just stupid. Why would I drive home and waste that thirty minutes of sleep? All I got's two hours, right? Especially on a weekend night. We were staying open till one at the time. You know, had to come in and cut veggies at six. So that was just uh that was just normal. And so um you know, essentially we cut our hours back and did a lot of cool stuff. But you've got to be willing to eat dirt for a while if you, you know as, as an entrepreneur you've got to be able to understand that your first two years aren't as glamorous as, as what they what you think they are and the, and the money um it's not just coming in as the bucket loads you're the last person that gets paid yeah. so if it, you know if no one hears anything from this podcast is you've got to understand everyone gets paid before you everybody Everyone, because the as the business as a whole doesn't work unless you do. Like the paying rent to my dad right now, like I got to pay rent. I got to get the lights on. I got to pay all my employees. They're not going to come work for me for free. Get the heck out of here. I'm the only ones willing to do that, right? So you got to pay everyone. Then you got to keep the lights on. You got to keep, you know, you got to pay rent every week. You've, you know, just... You, you got to pay the dishwasher before you pay yourself. And, and and people just don't understand that. And and when you're trying to pay off the initial investment, then it's just... So, uh, you know, those were the dark days. Has it gotten a little better every now and then? But, uh, oh, absolutely, I shouldn't say that. It absolutely gets better. I don't want you to think this whole entrepreneurship thing yeah, is a pain. Yeah. It definitely gets better, a whole lot better. So so grind it out knowing full well that it will get better. Um, but for me, there's still days I have to go back to that. Somebody doesn't show up to work or a manager quits out of, out of nowhere, but... um. Those would be essentially really the dark days, and thank God most of those are over.
0: Yeah, a cool thing actually was when Donato's open, I heard you opened it. Like, I knew of you uh, from your dad and all that, and yeah. I was like, straight up my thought was another rich guy just got something yeah. handed to him, and he's going to just go. But one time I was like, I'm going to try Donato's, so I ordered a delivery, Yeah. and when I checked outside, you actually delivered the pizza. <laughs> and I was like, this is something I didn't expect yeah, at all, because I yeah. was like, you don't see the, the owner of the place right. delivering the pizza. So yeah. that's one thing I respect. and. Oh,
1: that's beautiful, man. I appreciate you saying that. Um, I uh, You go where you're told, right? You're at the mercy of your employees. Yeah. Like, you know, I, you hear it all the time. I want to be an entrepreneur because I want to be my own boss, which is true in a lot of ways, and I think that's beautiful in its own aspect. I get that. But at the end of the day, if someone doesn't show up, I'm feeling their spot. I'm I, the, the buck stops with me. So I can be my own boss all day long, but if somebody doesn't show up, and I'm delivering pizzas that night. And that's okay. I mean, that's just my business. You sell out. You gotta do what you gotta do. And if I'm being frank, I actually enjoy that aspect. Yeah. I do enjoy delivering. It's run and gun. I come and go, <laughs> da da da. You're getting these tips. You're just yeah. going. You know what I mean? It's fun. I I enjoy it. But um you can only take people as far as you're willing to go yourself, or you've gone yourself. And how was I ever supposed to tell a delivery driver to take it seriously, and that we we're going to do things a little differently than most pizza restaurants? If I'm not, you know, next to them some nights, and people respect that. And like you said, man, I knew that. I knew that. I knew that I was just going to be another handout coming from another successful dad. Like I knew that. So I was trying to do everything in my power. Not that night I wasn't. I'm sure that night I was just doing what I had to do. But I'm saying when I opened up, yes, I did my first talk at Western. Oh, gosh, we hadn't been open a year, year and a half. Released it. and It was about working hard. That's what it was about. Dude, I got ripped to shreds on <laughs> Facebook, YouTube. The whole that was the first time that I had seen it. Yeah. I knew the chatter. I knew what was going on. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't mad about it. I, I was, I was expecting it, so I was very aware. But reading it and hearing what people had to say, what does this kid know about working hard? I his daddy, daddy gave him all his da- Daddy did this. Daddy did that. And I'm going. I'm trying to take them all to lunch. That's what that was my comments. I was like, hey, I promise you, can we just go get lunch? Yeah. Like I'll explain to you what my yesterday looked like and in the day before that and and the consistent and, and you know, I think um if there's another point in all this, if you bark at every dog, um you'll never make it home. You know, if you decide to sit, sit and bark at a, at every dog that that's in your way, you'll just never get to where you want to go. And so I've learned to, you know, call them haters, call them whatever the heck you want. Man, you just stay in your lane and understand that um, no one gets to where you're headed uh, without some type of work ethic and understanding um, business. I mean, you've got to have both. And so... Um, I appreciate you saying yeah. that because uh, I get that a lot. Some people are like, "What the heck you're delivering?" or I've had people too come to the door and go, "Wait, wait, 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 one minute." I'm just like, "Listen, I can't." And they're trying to bring the whole house out. And I'm like, I'm like, "No, no, no. I got to get back to the store. We've got more deliveries. If yeah. I'm delivering, that means we're busy. You yeah. know what I mean? That means that I need to get back." And I'm like, "No, no, no, no. We can't sit here and have a the glass of wine and crackers. Like, I got to get back." And so, uh, no, I, I think that's great. And I'll forever do that. I think it's it's probably one of the most fun jobs about uh, uh, the funnest jobs we have in the store and they sure as heck make the most money. So,
0: and a little bit off topic of the of the actually it's on topic of the entrepreneurship yeah. but like what does it take to open up a franchise is it you just pay out a a company and they kind of set everything up or do you Great question.
1: Yeah, so you have your franchise fee you what you initially have to buy in for um for me, I don't know if I'm allowed to tell numbers. I mean, if any, you know, most uh, most franchises are you know anywhere, just the initial buy-in fee just to get their book that says this is how we do it is anywhere from probably I would say 15 to 30 grand, depending, yeah. you know, on how. I'd say I, I shouldn't say that. I'd say most franchises are competitive, and that number probably is pretty steady. But just to give you guys an idea, yeah. um, so you pay that, and then. Um, that's just kind of the buy-in, and then for us, we had to sign on to um, three stores. Franchises essentially now they they kind of cover themselves because like when the recession hit in 2008, um, you know Subway got into that all those class action lawsuits because they were promised, hey, if I did X amount of sales, and uh, you know my labor was this, my food was this, you know this is what my bottom line should look like. This is how much money I should be making if I'm doing X amount of sales. Well, they weren't, um, and so therefore. They, they lost their butt on all that. Like these, these people, these franchisees um, for Subway just went after Subway. So we're going to sue you. You told us that we did, and they lost millions and millions of dollars. So now what franchises do is they make you sign on for three to make sure that you're not undercapitalized, that you're not just, banking on this money coming in exactly the way it's supposed to and they're not in some class action lawsuit so i had to sign on for three um the franchise essentially man you go up there i met with the franchise once um came back and that was more for me was to like check us out this is what we're about come on then if i agree say okay i want to take a step further you go back up there and then it's for them then they're just really hounding you how bad do you want to do it you know this is what we're about do you represent us how did it da da and so, um, two trips, a lot of phone calls, a lot of conference calls, a lot of, uh, really trying to figure it all out. A lot of Excel sheets that I had no idea what they said. Um, just kind of let dad handle a lot of that early on, just cause I was such a kid, man, had no idea what I was doing. I, I'm so thankful for my father. And, um, and so, um, so anyways, you know, other than that, I mean, that's pretty much what a franchise does for you. I mean, they do a lot of marketing for you too. They don't necessarily do it for me because I'm out of their media market. You know, like a lot of the stores, there's a hundred and – gosh, I hope somebody from the franchise doesn't listen to this. <laughs> but there's like 180, 190 stores, something like that, and, and the, the majority, 80 90% of them are in Indianapolis, Columbus, Cincinnati, um, that area. And so therefore, a lot of the marketing stuff doesn't necessarily see – bowling green which makes tons of sense and so um but you pay a fee for marketing you pay a fee for print they send out mailers to you guys occasionally or um and so um that's essentially what they do for me and then obviously they have a hundred i mean if you're paying for anything and this is I'll, i'll you know and i'll shut up after this about the franchise but if you're paying for anything you're paying for a bunch of data you're paying for they've got 190 stores worth of data of what works and what doesn't work even if that you know that booklet It's a, it's a wealth of information. You know what I mean? It's like, listen, you know, it's not necessarily a book. I'm calling it a book. It's just the people in general saying, this is what, this is the food you're going to sell. This is, you know, this is how you'll be competitive, you know, in your market. And this is how we do things. This is how we've done 190 of them. This is what's worked. And, you know, they're all profitable you know and that's what you're essentially buying into but um you know I hope that answered your question franchises as a whole they just they're a wealth of information they've done it you know bought into a Wendy's you've got (laughs) thousands and thousands of data of data of what works and what doesn't and obviously they're they're still standing so
2: all right so you've got some like big shoes to fill you know with your dad being being who he is um growing up was he was he hard on you and your siblings or was it kind of just more easygoing you guys figured out on your own yeah
1: um Dad is not gonna like this. Uh, <laughs> well, me and Dad, we did not hit it off right younger or, or, at all. When I was younger, sorry. Uh, he was extremely tough on me, extremely. Um, looking back, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Wouldn't trade it for the world. Um, but no, we definitely we definitely didn't really see eye to eye. And honestly, y'all, at twenty seven, I think me and Dad probably had the best relationship we've ever had um, right now. Um, but yeah he was extremely tough on all of us um but I but I empathize now more than ever because I don't have I don't know what I would do if I had a wife and kids still trying to juggle these hours and open and run my own business and so um dad essentially at the time you know I I don't on the timeline at all timeline of it all I'm not really sure but at that point I think he probably had two or three pharmacies when I was really in that stage to where you know you start developing that relationship with your dad yeah. and and so um sports 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 Good bad, you know, he was extremely tough on, on on me and all of us, you know I'm not gonna single out myself, you know Seton and seth and Tara and ryan. I mean all of us we were um Dad dad did not play games and uh, he was just yeah, he was extremely tough on us and so um big shoes to fill I think That was another motivator when I opened obviously I had this dad that you don't want to beat him. Yeah. It's not the point. (laughs) Right. I think, but you did want to make him proud. Um, and we struggled hard. Me and my dad are a lot alike, you know, father and sons, one thing, um, you know, business partners is totally different. Um, but just to backtrack, kind of my upbringing is if I missed a ground ball, I mean, I was my dad was the one out there nailing balls at me until I until I fielded it correctly. Nobody's at first base, and I'm just I'm just hurling baseballs over there. Not even, and I'm crying my eyes out. Mom's screaming in the car. Steve, he gets it. He's fine, you know. And Dad's just no, he doesn't. He just keeps it, you know he he let that one go through his legs. He won't you you know he'll keep his glove down on the next one. You know that was just my dad. Um And if, and if, uh, you know, if I didn't, when it got to high school, when he wasn't my coach, you know, if I had a rough game in high school or something, you know, he was the dad, you know, saying, no, 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 you're not leaving the gym. Or why did you leave the gym? Or, you know, I didn't have a life if I had a bad game. It was, what the heck are you doing? And so, um, I had an unbelievable father. He wasn't all bad, but extremely tough on us. Yes, absolutely. Um, but big shoes to fill. Yes. You know, fast forward again. Sorry. Um. Big shoes to fill, but we just, um, now we have a really good relationship because we really understand each other's expertise. I was prideful at 24. I thought I knew what I was doing. I didn't need anybody's help, including my dad. How stupid was I? Um, but now, having developed a little bit of a brand for myself, um, uh, we appreciate what we both bring to the table. Um, he's extremely smart. My dad is brilliant. I didn't see that at 24. Now being two years into my um, business. Uh, we better, you know. I'm a little farther along in as business sense to really appreciate my dad now. Finally, you know, it took me 27 years. Um, and so now, and therefore, I've worked my tail off for two and a half years now, three going on three years. And so he has a better appreciation for me. Um, he's extremely busy. You know, I, I pretty much have to make appointments to see him now. Uh, <laughs> but he's just, uh, my dad is high integrity, high principle. Um, a big time guy, and we're, and we're so proud of him. But yeah, I mean, I think just within the last two years, honestly, Mashad, like me and my dad's relationship just really started to become a little, you know, and he's going to hate this. Enjoyable. Like we yeah. talk about things and business and we relate and it's cool and it's not why did you miss that ground ball or wh- how many turnovers did you have or you know and and we had a lot of really cool moments growing up and i know he's gonna watch this and, and i know he's <laughs> gonna hate this but i mean he was extremely tough and he should have been man i hope i hope i find that line too because i want my kids to really understand how to work and and how to you know fail um but fail trying, and to, and to go back at it again the next day, and that's what he taught me, you know. And so, uh, I have an unbelievable dad. I you know hope that I'm not coming across as he's extremely condescending because he's not. He's he's unbelievable, and I wouldn't obviously be where I am without him. So,
2: this might be a better question for him. But how do you think he found time to to raise five kids while with all this going on? You said you I have no idea. You have one restaurant. Yeah. And you're in the working 90 hours a week, and he's got yeah. three um, pharmacies. Man.
1: Yeah, I don't. Dad is a workaholic. Dad, dad works that's what he does what he enjoys doing he doesn't have hobbies he doesn't uh, he has his wife as his c- closest companion doesn't have a lot of friends doesn't golf doesn't like the vacation much yeah. you know has kind of built a life for himself here that's pretty admirable and enjoys it so he didn't really have to go where uh, you know much else but um you know i don't know i think he would tell you and so would i as i go into um opening up my second location you just surround yourself with really good people and, um, really work your tail off those first three or four years to develop a culture that lasts, not just something that works, but develop a culture that lasts, that people buy into, to where you can't step away and do just two and three. And now I think he has 10, 12 pharmacies. And so it's just, um, and yeah. And he's in the stinking legislator now. He's a, yeah. you know, a politician. So it's just, um, he does it all, and uh, you know I don't. I th- I think yeah, it's definitely a question for him, and he and I, I think he'll come in here and answer that for you guys. I hope uh, he'll he'll do that. I know I know <laughs> I he love will. We'll I know, know I know that. I know he will. Dad, we'll I'm signing that. you up. Uh, <laughs> he he would. He He'd love that. He 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 loves mentoring young gunners more so probably than he does. Somebody that's been through it, like, it's his thing. He does. He enjoys young generation walking into his office asking questions more so probably than he does. You know, he enjoys helping all people, but I've heard him say it in the past, is that, you know, the younger generation, he does genuinely enjoy helping. But um, uh, I don't know how he did it. I really don't. He just worked. He worked, he worked, he worked, he worked, he worked. He had an unbelievable wife. I know he'd say a lot about my mom that worked right next to him. Um, And then, obviously, I'm sure his faith was a big deal, so...
0: Switching up um, <clears throat> from parenting and all that, yeah. um, from Donato's, I know you went down to Florida like you said and went through D one college. You got any like experiences to share about that? Just some.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think um, playing a Division one sport, walking on at a Division one sport, it's it's exactly what it, the name of it really is. like. You you just feel like you just get walked on, right? Yeah. And so um, I think nothing prepared me more from being an entrepreneur than to going and working my tail off for absolutely nothing for three years. I mean, right? I mean, well, I shouldn't say that. I mean, you eventually find other things like I am now um, to show up to practice every day. But it wasn't about playing time. That's for dang sure, right? It gets to that point to where it's like the big elephant in the room is playing time. The big elephant in the room for an entrepreneur is money. You know, I had to find other reasons to play. For me, it was respect of my peers and my coaches. My peers and my coaches, that's why I showed up to the gym every day and worked harder than everyone or attempted to um, or gave it my best shot, whatever you want to call it. In um, the same way with being an entrepreneur, man, I, I just, I, you your first two years, you're... you're you you own a business, BS, dude. You ain't got nothing. <laughs> you've <was> got you. <laughs> a you've got a lot of responsibility is all you've got. And until you pay off your initial investment, you know, depending on your overhead, and until you create a brand for yourself, like you know, you're not, you're, you are not you you do not have near as much money as people think you do. You know what I mean? And so it's just um you've gotta find other reasons. Um, IMG was a boarding school, so I grew up so quick. I didn't have mommy and daddy to run to when I had a bad practice, right? I'm twelve, 12, 13 hours away, so all I have was my dudes. I had my team, and and um, once again, that taught me a lot about who I wanted to surround myself moving forward. And um, sports, man, I, I owe a lot to it. I still, I still, I coach one kid. Shout out to Ryder, um, uh, just to keep me back in it. Uh, you know, I got I do individual lessons on the side. This is not soliciting myself. I don't have time for much more than that. But uh, Ryder is. Uh, uh it keeps me back in the gym. I feel like I owe that game so much, man. Like, it yeah. just taught me so much. More more than probably a lot of uh, jobs and girlfriends ever did, really. I mean, that game, just how to work together, how to treat people, you know, how to come together as a team and really uh, how to respect authority, how to respect coaches that's gone before you and, uh, excuse me, and how to compete at a high level, just how to compete when you get to that level, when you get to where you want to go, and maybe you shouldn't, necessarily i mean i was five some this 511 white kid right like i it's not like i necessarily i think i belong i could compete with just about any guard in the country but um i i don't uh i didn't necessarily belong there so it was just um i I had to learn how to work just had to to learn how to work and how to how was i going to keep my jersey how 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 was i going to keep my my name on the roster and it wasn't uh playing time you know they knew i was never going to contribute to the game I was just gonna have to find ways outside of what people perceived as success um, to win, and uh, that may be one of the most profound things I've ever said. Because honestly, that's what business is: yeah. find other ways to
2: win other than the bank account, and you'll be alright. Um, so, did you get any of the advantages that other players got? Kind of, I know you're a walk-on, but like. Um Did you get like any Special treatment and stuff From professors Or <laughs> you to, I know you had to put on Yeah work, get with the Yeah you did Yeah I mean I goes. can't lie
1: Yeah yeah I mean yeah. there's people that You know that appreciate Or if that's gone before you maybe Maybe I had another teacher That was an athlete That understands just mm-hmm. What goes into end the time Regardless yeah. of whether you're playing or not What goes into it But um yeah, I don't think "special treatment" is the word, but they definitely cut you some slack. You're on the road a lot, and so papers and tests and stuff—day, you know, those those deadlines tend to <laughs> widen. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, I don't know, man. If I, you know, other than being, yeah, I mean, there was perks. <laughs> I mean, I yeah, I mean, I don't really know. Other than yeah. you know, we didn't really—I would never really had an altercation with a with a teacher to where they did, you know, that I felt like. Um, they did me, did me wrong because I was an athlete. It was always the other way around. Yeah. It was always, oh, they're going to cut me some slack because we were on the road, because we had games, because we've been NCAA tournament, you know, stuff like that. So, I mean, I'd be lying if I sat here and said there weren't perks to it. I mean, and obviously yeah. all the gear that everyone was talking about. I mean, goodness gracious, getting a new pair of shoes every two weeks and, sweatshirts and hoodies and and the whole nine and unlimited amount of powerade and gatorade i mean it's just uh yeah it was a different world for me and then obviously yeah you know you're kind of put on a pedestal in this town but you know walk, you know you're around town you kind of have that swag about you and so i don't know man i enjoyed it and absolutely those perks um obviously weren't enough to keep me around for my my last year um so they weren't all that great um but at the end of the day yeah perks i mean you got some cool stuff and then traveling with the team and stuff like that and going to the ncaa tournament was just crazy two years in a row that's where you really just get treated like royalty did, did you play
0: with courtney lee um
1: i i know courtney courtney and i were courtney was before me courtney was a long Son time courtney up too yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> courtney you know, coming uh no i know courtney and I are acquaintances i don't i don't necessarily have his number on my phone but um Uh, he was before me, but Courtney's best friend, Adam Howard, shout out to Adam. Uh, Adam, um, worked me out all through high school and Courtney and Adam were best friends. And so therefore I developed that relationship and we would have the team over early on. That's why it was such a dream of mine, you know, all the way back to Patrick Sparks was my, my favorite player. And then uh, I actually signed my name in like elementary school, Spence Sparks Sheldon. (laughs) Uh, Little
2: nickname. Yeah, yeah,
1: seriously. I mean, that was the thing. I think my, yeah, I mean, and so, um so courtney yeah courtney courtney was a phenomenal guy uh but yeah, no, I didn't play with him. You know, my roommate was George Fant, which I know you guys are hoping to get on here, but uh, still talk to George. Um, George is a phenomenal human, you'll be lucky to get him in here. But uh he just uh, you know, my best friend all through high school and then my roommate all through college and and so um you know, those guys obviously they taught you how to work. I mean, George sure. works his absolute tail off. I mean, there's just no denying it. You know, I thought I worked hard and I did, but George would he'd find a way to outwork you or he'd sneak up on you. I'd say that. Yeah. He'd be in the gym, you'd be like, What the? Hey, where'd you? How'd you get here? What happened? <laughs> weren't we just eating Cheetos in the dorm? Like yeah. that—that was—that was George. That—that that was George. He was always working. But um, yeah, no, I got be with some cool guys. I mean, IMG was cool. I mean, we're working next to—I mean, Tim Tebow, Cam Newton, Kobe's in there some days, Steve Francis. I mean, we—you were, know—being around the best. And yeah. It's a tennis program, so Marie, you know Maria Sharapova, like so, Hewitt, Tommy Haas, Andre Agassi. You know, being around those guys obviously it shows you—you know—you got to work to get to where you sure. want to go. So.
0: Going back to, like, uh, you said George Fan was your roommate, right? Yeah. Um, after he departed from college and you departed from college, was it kind of like a a wall that hit you? Like, this dude went to the NFL, and yeah. then you were kind of, like you said, I don't know what you did after college, but, yeah. you know, was that a motivation factor that, damn, your roommate just, you know, he's doing – Yeah,
1: I think we all kind of get put in that comparison game, right? We're always trying to compare ourselves to our peers and um, – you know, I never really compared myself with George because we were just that close, yeah. you know, and he was just such a freak athlete. And, I, you know, I, I was just kind of the guy, you know, just the kind of the guy in the room that happened to know him really well, yeah. you know. So I never really compared myself to George. We were we were uh, extremely clo- close in high school and college. But, you know, as he's, you know, gone and done bigger and better things, you know, I wanted nothing but success for him, sure. you know. And, and you know, Envy will take you places. Goodness gracious, that you never saw coming. I mean, you'll 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 find yourself setting goals that you'll never attain. You'll find yourself being someone you're never going to be, and, and so uh, you know, George, you know, there's a part of you. Yeah, I mean, I think the last thing I said to Coach Harper was, "I'll make you proud one day." That yeah. was my college coach. Um, when sure. I when I walked out. Um, and I'll I'll never forget that.
0: Y'all still keep in touch?
1: Uh, Coach Harper. No, I we we really really don't. Um. You know, I think we, the, the initial goodbye wasn't good terms, uh, you know, just a rough. It was a respect thing. I was playing for the respect of, of my of my coaches and peers, and, and there was just a, a situation to where I just didn't feel very respected by my head coach, and I didn't appreciate it, and I regret it, you know, quitting of any sorts. You know, and that is more of a motivation thing for me than anything. You know, I feel like I let my team down i didn't really feel like i let harp down because i didn't feel like he cared but uh my team definitely you know uh, you know i felt like i let them down more than anything just because like i said behind the scenes i was more of a glue guy what are you doing where are you at we should be together let's keep our nose out of trouble yeah Bro, why are you eating that? What are you doing? You know we play tomorrow. We better you bet you know or waking the guys up. Yo, we can't be late. If you're late, you know we're all running kind of thing. So, I feel like at that point they all kind of lost their their mom or dad in a sense, you <laughs> yeah. know. And so I felt bad about that. Uh, um, but no man, George George deserves all the success he's getting. Man, he he's he's a phenomenal dude. He hasn't changed. Although we don't talk near as much as we used to. He when we do, he's he's still the same old George. He hasn't changed. He he yeah, he he hadn't changed. And so um. Yeah, I mean, people around you motivate you, they should, right? If, if, sure. if people around you aren't motivating you, you're probably in the wrong room. And so, um, George, every time he comes in, yeah, he passed me on the back, and I pat him, man, I, I'm so proud of you. I can't believe how far you've gone, and, and the feelings are mutual. So, he always drops by the restaurant every time he's in town, and we get to have that conversation. But, no, I think we're both in our own lanes, and we're both working extremely hard, and um, there'll be a day we get to catch up and go on vacation as a family together. But until then, you know, we're both just kind of
2: tunnel vision. Do you think you're, um, I guess, in, any better than some of the scholarship athletes that are playing with you? Like, you kind of maybe deserve more You know, I mean, that's then?
1: just such a tough call. I think a big, the biggest thing, I mean, uh, my biggest thing was obviously my size, and so it didn't really matter how good or athletic I was to compete at that high level and to guard the players that I needed to guard. It was going to be extremely tough. Um, you know, I think any given day, yeah. I mean, I think especially at my uh, – Stature, uh, uh, division one. Um, you know, it's a confidence thing. It's un- uh, undeniably. If I, there were days that I felt extremely confident and I, you know, shot the ball better than anyone in the gym. But there were also days to where I would make one mistake and, you know, get reamed and i just go hot yeah. in a shell, you know, and, 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 you know, get cussed up and down the court. So, I mean, man, the game of basketball is a lot like, you know, your workforce. It's uh, empowering people to get and get the best out of them and, make, and and building them up to be extremely confident in what they're doing. And those are the days to where I was like, yeah, absolutely. Like, I could, sure. you know what I mean? Like, I, I could compete with these guys, like, or if not better than some days. So, um I don't know. I like I said, you, you know, you humble yourself during those seasons, and you really don't think about am I better than a scholarship player or not. But you know, yeah, absolutely, there were days I was better yeah. than some of the guards, hundred percent, or I felt like I should, I should have got the nod rather than. But because he's on scholarship, he was probably going to get the, you know, yeah, there were days I had that thought.
2: You're better than Caden Dickerson.
1: <laughs> Caden, <laughs> well, I just talked to Caden this weekend. Was I, yeah, absolutely, I'm better than Caden Dickerson. <laughs> Uh, write it down
2: another thing uh, you talked about the NCAA tournament what's that experience like
1: um, wild extremely crazy I mean it was um, you uh, get police escorts everywhere you go you walk into a hotel and you're treated like royalty um, you know the security guards in you on your door <clears throat> and you know or not your door the hallway making sure nobody can get up to the floors yeah. um, you essentially I mean You just, if you had a jersey, you could literally go do whatever you wanted. People getting autographs that never should in a million years be asking (laughs) for my autograph. Uh, And so, uh, yeah, it was an unbelievable feeling. I mean, they literally treat you like royalty. You've got a police escort everywhere you go. Um, People, I mean, you're signing more autographs than I ever signed in my entire life. (laughs) Uh, probably will ever do, um, but just assi- signing, yeah, everything. I mean, you just uh, they just treat you like royalty. You're in a city, and and the funny thing is, people just show up like, oh my gosh, these are all future NBA guys, right? Like that's yeah. what, that's, yeah, what that's what the mo thing. is, yeah. and like so people just show up and like, oh, oh, you're on a team, sign this, you know what I mean? And I'm like, you have no idea, dude. Like I <laughs> like I average like eight butt slaps a game, like, like six towel waves, three glasses of water. Like you don't want my, you know, you don't want my autograph, but I but I you know you go along with it. So yeah it was uh it was definitely an experience i'm trying to think of anything i mean like i don't know one year we all got some, you know ray-bans and you know that's all those gifts and stuff that tournaments too that you yeah, get yeah. like then the farther you go along like it was other stuff that like, kind of caught me off guard like what we're going to south carolina to play a basketball tournament and we're all getting xboxes like what you know what i mean it's like that's,
0: that's you know what I mean. are you what, are, what yeah. are you
1: what you know but to get good teams to play in these tournaments they would they'd wild out apparently but, what's
0: uh, the dope like what's the coolest uh arena you played in here. Oh,
1: Yum. Yum
0: Center. Oh, really? Yeah.
1: My, well, my fresh freshman, I think it's my sophomore year, we played Kentucky um, at Yum. That was probably like lifetime achievement for this wow. born and raised basketball fan in Bowling Green, Kentucky. You know, was playing Kentucky in the Yum Center. Yum Center is probably the nicest gym I've ever played in by nice. far. And I was fortunate enough to.
2: To get in and slap a few butts that game. <laughs> <laughs> Did your part, bro? Did your part? Yeah. Uh, earlier, you talked about how like you you have this love for Bowling Green. It's kind of city of raising stuff. Um, I understand you've done some stuff to give back to the community, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I think um, don't bite the hand that feeds you, kind of thing. I, I just, um, and it's just what I'm about, essentially. You know, I I'll, I gave away. Um, this isn't kudos to me. This is this is. Uh, this is what I'm about. And and I think if anyone spends any kind of time around me, they really understand that that's for me, that's where I get my fulfillment is doing for people. And, you know, I tell people all the time, it's just, I, I breathe to help. I take it to the extreme, you know, and I, and I say that to myself every single day. Um, and so, um, and so like our first year we were open, we gave away probably about $160,000 worth of food. Um, some people would call that absurd. Yeah. Um, for me, it was I wanted the people to know what I was about. It wasn't about the paycheck. It was about serving my community, being a part of my community, and doing um, the very best I could with what I was given. And, uh, I, you know, I needed them to know a lot about me. Um, now the second year was totally different. Had to have a, you know you can't have a profitable business and do that. It's not realistic. Um, but I had to have those, that hard conversation. I had to grow up quick once again and say, hey, listen, I know that I donated ten pizzas for little Jimmy's um, birthday party, yeah. but you know I did that to develop this relationship. You know what I'm about. I'm gonna make it easy on you. Text me, but this is as cheap as I can go. You know, I, I'm in, and now I'm in the for-profit game, and, and I, I've got to make a living for myself, and um, and so, but yeah, we're constantly giving back, doing uh, fundraisers, and uh, you know, uh, I've employed, you know, a lot of people, a lot of second chancers, but the restaurant industry allows you to do that. A lot of addicts, a lot of homeless, a lot of, you know, there's a place for everybody in my restaurant, and I appreciate that. So,
0: you did a lot for the homeless. You want to speak about that, or
1: yeah, um you know i got some good advice one time that just kind of said
0: you know what keeps you up at night what
1: makes you extremely mad and i was like not not a lot i am pretty pretty you know even kill guy and love everybody i'm kind of always spreading this message of cohesion and trying to get everyone on the same page and um and then when i opened up the restaurant you just con- consistently Have uh, A lot of homeless Coming in and asking for food Which is fair And early on You're like Okay You know Obviously this is what I'm about So I'm gonna Feed them Of course Why wouldn't I And so um, You know We fed Fed and fed And fed and fed Until finally You know We started getting Taken advantage of Really didn't understand Who was homeless Who wasn't Who was just coming in For the free pizza And and so I kind of got a little, you know, I went through a little phase where I was kind of frustrated, you know, and I was like, you know what, we got, we got taken advantage of one really good time. And I said, you know what, I'm going to kind of use that as a buffer to say we're done feeding the homeless, unless, no, no, actually, I think at that point I said we're done, other than a few that I knew personally that I was trying to get out of a, of a, of a crazy situation, you know, we're going we're to be done for a while until I figure out a really good way to do this. Well, I couldn't sleep. I was like, why the freak? No, I've got to feed these people. What if they don't have food? Like, what, what am I doing? And so then I said, we will feed you if you sit down and have a one-on-one with me. I want to figure out why you're here. How'd you get here? What are you doing to get yourself out? Um, and so I did that. And some people ran from that. So it did out a lot of people that weren't actually homeless and didn't want to have that talk with me. Um, but as I did that in the store, the more stories that I felt that I that I heard, it was just a common theme. Two things: one, mental illness. They were so, um, you know, they were so mentally ill, and mentally impaired that they they couldn't function in society. So this is the last resort, or the system in itself. They they were stuck. They couldn't go get a job because if they got a job, then their check quit coming in, and they couldn't afford to come off their medication for, you know, two weeks because they'd go clinically, insane, you know, they'd go insane. And so um, there was two reasons. And so therefore, I was like, what? There's got to be a better answer. And so for me, it, I just, that's what kept me up at night. That's what I struggled with. And that's where I was like, oh, how, who is going to give these people a second chance? How can we fix this issue? How, how you know, how there's got to be more to life than sleeping under the bridge and begging for food every day. There's got, and and a lot of them are okay with it. And I'm going, no, no, like it's America, you know, like you can start today and develop a life for yourself. So, um, now I've kind of taken in one, you know, you kind of do for one what you wish you could do for all. Ozzy was homeless. He worked for me. Long story short. He lived with me for about five, six months, um, helped him budget, helped him get his phone turned on, got him an apartment, um, helped him budget, pay rent, got him a car, Um, helped him, you know, understand what that looks like too, you know, all while giving him a raise. Um, So now he has a car, car insurance, an apartment, um, and he was in 22 different foster homes. Um, Just was stuck, just in a system, couldn't get out, was living downtown. All his friends were, you know, only friends he ever made was playing Pokemon Go, he would tell you that. I mean, that was just how he met people. I mean, and, but he was living downtown, I don't, you know, if you want to hear more about his story, people can call me, but his story is extremely admirable, and now he lives well on his way, on his feet, and, you know, he'll have a life now. Jason, schizophrenic, you know, stays with me two or three nights, you know, uh, you know every two or three weeks, maybe once a week, he comes stays with me. Schizophrenic, you know, so he, he paces the floor all night long, so I struggle with having him stay with me, because I don't get much sleep, but... Um, you know, we, we provide space for Jason uh, to sleep, and, you know, it's not very safe for me to say to the public where he sleeps or what that looks like, but, um, you know, we provide places for him to stay and um, legal, obviously. I don't want it to come across like that, but, um, you know, since the other homeless people don't necessarily like it, that I've that I've taken them on, you know, they're very yeah. territorial, and so that I've really taken a liking to Jason and I'm trying to, to get him out um, the best that I know how um they're not too fond of him right now so it's just a, it's it's crazy man and so but so jason's my guy and uh and so um that's what i did before this i went and grabbed him a cup of coffee and so he's just uh, he stays around the restaurant if you see jason he doesn't need money he doesn't need he just needs a hello you know they just want some. they just somebody to listen to talk to him treat him like humans that's pretty much all they need so. why
0: do you do this for people i mean you don't know anybody anything is there a reason
1: i I, that's it's selfish it's extremely selfish i feel the best about myself when i'm doing for others it's just uh people you know i hear it all the time oh my gosh it's so admirable i'm like y'all don't understand like this is me like this is who i am like it's from the outside looking in i'm sure it looks great and all but selfishly i feel the best i i sleep better at night knowing i did something for somebody um and i always have these moments if not me then who you know, like if yeah. I'm not going to, like who the heck else is going to spend time with Jason, Kincaid, um, you know, schizophrenic, been out of sight, you know. Y'all, there are days where I'm sitting on the patio and he's bawling, looking at me going, I'm always going to be like this, or not I? I'm always going to be like this. And, I, and, I, and I'm going, Jason, no, no, number one, as long as I'm above ground, you have hope. And I can tell you, first thing, that I am not even remotely the same person that I am since you walked into my world. So you've changed my life, 100%. And it's in those moments that you're so appreciative as to why you do what you do. Uh, You're just giving people a way out. You're giving them a tunnel. You're giving them a, a, a little bit of light that they never saw coming. And I'm all about surprises, man. I just want to just jump into someone's world and and, and show them a, a, little way that they never really even dreamed of. And so, uh, self, it's selfish, man. I do. I, I feel a lot better about myself when I'm doing for others. And and fortunate enough for me, the service industry allows me to do that every single day. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So.
2: Those are two like really beautiful stories, man. Do you? It seems like it's something you're passionate about, really, kind of helping people. Yeah. Do you think like when you? when the pizza business kind of calms down you kind of get more established you have a, a staff you can trust while you're yeah. gone do you think you kind of do do more of that? Um. Oh yeah I, for, I will forever do build help
1: um, yes I, like I said that's where I get my fulfillment from and, and you know some people want to make a million dollars I want to give away a million dollars and so that doesn't come that you have to work to get to that if you want to give away a million dollars that means you better have two million in the bank right so for me it's um i I just want to get i just want to give it away that's where i that's where i get the most fulfilled honestly i mean and i and i I mean that when i say it uh you know the money that i spend on jason right now i don't have (laughs) by any stretch of the imagination but i sleep better at night i just do it's just uh and so um yes after this i tell people all the time restaurants are a short game and they're the long game Short game, you know, this is what's going to provide, you know, the capital for me to kind of have this life in between to kind of help and do and, and, and kind of um, gear towards, you know, my my right brain, the creative side. And then I want to retire with restaurants, uh, you know, nice, you know, nice restaurants where me and my family can go hang out and not really worry about whether they're making money or not. Yeah, uh-huh. But still have the same culture that Sheldon Restaurant Group has always had. Um but yeah, I, and, and really get into the um, the aesthetic of a restaurant and the plates and the, and the right brain creative side. Um, I think I'll do that anyways in between. But yeah. I, I won't just be solely relying on restaurant. I'm not just gonna be a restaurant guru the rest of my life. I'll have restaurants because it's allowed me to serve people. Um, but yes, there's so much stuff in between, you know, that I that I want to do. So
2: would you say your upbringing kind of inspires this? I mean, I know you kind of had to work for what you have, but. Um, like growing up, you never really had to worry about like where you're gonna sleep the next day, yep. if you're gonna have anything to eat. Would you kind of absolutely agree with that? Um, maybe, uh, you know, my upbringing, uh, my upbringing more than
1: anything was um, it's all I knew. Somebody asked me that the other day. They were like, "Was the fact, you know, was the was the fact, you know, why did you want to become an entrepreneur, or did your family or something, did it influence?" You know, I forget how the question was worded, but I just said, listen, all I knew was a dad that went to work for himself, my mom that went to work for him, um, and I really didn't have anyone around me that was really working for the man or going to work and working a nine-to-five. I just didn't. So I really didn't know, know any other way, um, honestly. Um, but absolutely, I, I look at my upbringing and I think about how good I had it. Yeah. Like, what's keeping everyone else from having that life? You know, and... um you know, it's a great question because I was extremely fortunate and I had an upbringing that not many people had. And I, I get that, but I think it's important for people like me to understand that not many people had that upbringing and, um, to where much is given, you know, much is expected kind of thing. And, um, yeah, I think that's a huge motive. I've never really had to think about it, but now that you said it, absolutely. Um, I would love yeah i mean i didn't have to think twice about where i was laying my head down i knew i was forever gonna have a place and that's essentially who i want to be for everyone else that their if their place falls through you got mine you know and so um so yes absolutely
0: we've researched a little bit and uh we've heard about like a clothing line you talk a little bit about that yeah so
1: just the piggyback kind of off of uh the uh homeless i've always wanted to gear things you know because I, i own a business you get kind of thrown into the business guy, businessman, entrepreneur, which is great. It's, you know, I, I'll own it every day. I'm all about it, but, um, I'm more of a creative. If I had to really get down to my core on who Spence is, I love to create, um, and, uh, and more of a right brain kind of guy. And so I've always just, one of my big ambitions is to have one of my own clothing lines. Um, I would love to wear clothes that I, that I, um, uh, that I designed myself or, or or something, my comfort level or something I think would fit for everyone else. So um, with that, I couldn't just do it to make money. That's just not who I am. And so for that, I was like, well, what's the cause? What's the purpose behind this? And then, you know, going back to that really good advice I got of what keeps me up at night, you know, the homeless is really crushing me. So, so yeah, I haven't really told anyone. All I've done is created a handle on Instagram. And tomorrow morning I go and I think we'll print, you know, five or six shirts and we'll just start wearing them you know and just kind of see get the feedback on what people think and you know we've been working with different designers out in California and um, but essentially the brand's called almost home and it's just uh, it's a message of so much hope for anybody right now it just happens to be Jason and the homeless and getting him back on his feet and so obviously the proceeds of of the first batch of clothing line maybe it's the Jason line I don't know is gonna go to him and we're gonna figure out you know what what that looks like and and we haven't really hashed out a lot of the logistics but It's just a message of hope for everyone, no matter what you're going through, where you're at. um, Just know we're almost home. We're almost there. And and, you know, faith is a big deal for me. But the beauty behind the the brand itself is home can be anything for anyone. Doesn't have to. You don't necessarily have to believe the way I do to buy into the brand. It's like, listen, home for me is a safe place. And uh, I don't care if you're a drug addict or or, you know, you're you're homeless or dude. All I want to do is grab you out of the hand and let you know that hey, we're almost home. We're we're almost there. Stick in there. Let's do this. Okay. And so that's essentially how the brand came to be and the name. It's just a message of hope, man. And and I hope that um, the people that wear it and the people that wear the the clothing feel like home for people. That, that they that they that they can be a, a soft spot, you know, to land. And so um, essentially, that's what it is. We haven't really marketed it or done anything crazy we're just kind of letting it happen organically i think the founder of tom's had a really good quote he just said start small do it right and growth will come and that's kind of how we're doing it and so it's going to be a brand that gives back 100 percent you know and um you know see where it goes so but it, but a lot like you, you guys have inspired me honestly. With we opened up we talked mm-hmm. about it and a month later. Here we are. I've been talking about this clothing line for probably <laughs> two years. Finally, I said I'm just doing it. Yeah. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna call Blue Cotton and I'm gonna print shirts. That's what I did. Mm-hmm. I, I I paid someone way too much money to create a design, <laughs> and 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 they created the design. And I called Blue Cotton. I was like, hey, you know, you know, bring me seven shirts and I want to feel them. Because I'm probably going to cut them anyways to make them like cool, you know? I just want something that I can cut easily. Sorry, (laughs) Blue Cotton. Yeah, that I can design. (laughs) Designer spins over here. And so, I uh, essentially, so tomorrow morning, I have a meeting at uh, nine o'clock at Blue Cotton, and and we'll print shirts, and I'm just going to wear them. And, and, you know, and we're going to see what people think or, oh, what does that mean? What's that, you know? Just kind of get feedback that way organically. And, you know, if people, you know, once we put it out, You know, people start saying, Oh, I want a shirt. How do I get a shirt? You know, then, you know, then it's probably time we order 15, 20 more and then see, create a business model for ourselves. So,
2: you say you got an Instagram handle?
1: We do. Yeah. Almost Home Clothing. Yeah. 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 Go follow it. Almost Home Clothing it will be on the screen uh, so, yeah we yeah, have to all 12 screen. followers right now so <laughs> yeah, we're doing <laughs> we're doing big things three more now 15 yeah, 100% um, and so yeah man i'm just kind of it's private and it's just uh i just wanted to grab the handle before more than anything yeah, you know before yeah, yeah. before it got taken and so i i just created it and we've got one logo po- posted on it and i probably won't use the logo that's on the actual circle but it fit with the circle and so um yeah man i'm excited i'm excited for the next i'm excited to you know the next chapter for me and uh you know, like I said, man, I appreciate you guys for having me so much. And you have no idea what therapy this is for me to reflect on yeah. the things that we've done uh, as, a, as a company and, and where we're headed. And it really allows me to align my thoughts. It really, really does. So you guys, I, I wish you guys so much success. I appreciate, mean, honestly, I'm going to push lot. you guys as much as I can. And
2: um, yeah, I honestly, I really, really am. We appreciate you coming, man. You seem like you're really, for sure, really tied into some stuff, man. Yeah. So yeah. take this time out of your day to come see us. Is- oh, gosh, man. No, no. no. It, man. This is
1: why I do what I do. I just want to help. I, you know, I'd be a hypocrite if I didn't do stuff like this. So I appreciate you guys. And you guys, you know, feelings are mutual. You guys all seem down to earth, really cool sure. guys. And I appreciate what everyone, one of you guys bring to the table. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to coming out. I'm going to push this thing and it, see man. what happens.
0: Before we end it, uh, yeah. we want to do the Thomas 10. So what that is, is basically we asked this just. 10 questions. They're just real Rap quick it. answers. Right, quick. um And they're the same questions for every guest, so it's kind of a oh, just yeah, for so fun thing. Just
2: a you thing, yeah. Yeah, just I'm just all in. All right, uh, I'm going to start. <clears throat> so if you had work, but you didn't need the money, what would you choose to do?
1: Oh, I'd be a musician. I'd be a rock star.
2: Yeah. If you could disinvent one thing, what would it be? Uh, material mm. item, I guess.
1: Disinvent? Disinvent.
2: Yeah. Cell phone. Really. If you could meet one person, dead or alive, who would it be?
1: one person dead or alive i mean jesus sorry i cheated i cheated
2: oh, yeah. <laughs> all right if you had one piece of advice to the younger generation what would it be humble yourself quick if you had all the money in the world what would be the first thing you buy
1: something for my mom i don't know what whatever whatever she wants <laughs> at that whatever she wants that day she's getting it uh
2: who would you say inspired you most growing up my dad Who's your favorite artist right now, musical or whatever? Oh wow, man, um, I have a lot. My, my, my music.
1: Uh, I'd say Luke Combs is up there, just because uh, what he does. You know, uh, I don't know. I've always been a John Mayer guy too. So like, my my, my music spectrum is crazy. Um, I'm trying to think of it. I'm trying to. That's too kind of hip hop. Kind of. I love Justin Timberlake. Um, I'm trying to give you a rapper right now. Um, who am I listening to in the car on the way over here? I was listening to somebody. Um, I love the baby. I don't know yeah. I, Is it yeah, weird like though that, yeah. that I really like him More on features Than I do like his songs no, Like, I like, like when he artists. Like when he's featured on yeah, songs Like just hearing him is like little snippet yeah. Like ooh nice But cool. then like one whole song Is like right. I don't know <laughs> <laughs> A little much is, But I love baby. Yeah yeah yeah, yeah sure. But, I, but I, I like his
2: new album Alright What do you think The most common reason People give up is?
1: Uh, so, Somebody has fed them Something that's BS And they bought in Somebody, some they've they've gotten um, they they've gotten uh, advice from the wrong person uh, that that and and they bought into it. You know, I think I mean I think that's probably the number one reason most people quit because somebody told them they couldn't and they believed it and that's BS.
2: If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Oh, gosh, man, <laughs> dude, I, the other day I
1: mean this, I got ran out of the house for this. But I was like, well, it would be cool to talk to animals, like, yeah, that, that <laughs> is. like that would be cool, <laughs> would like. Be cool. But somebody was like, better than flying, like, better than like you know being not. invisible. Be... I'm like, okay, you got a point. But like, what if I'm the only, what if I'm the only Doctor Dolittle around here? Like, oh, yeah, what if yeah. I could talk to all the animals? Like, yo, why won't my dog shut up? Like, can you just come over and tell him to <laughs> let him <laughs> <it> sleep? <laughs> oh
2: yeah, I got you, fam. I'm on my way. You know, like that. I think that'd be dope. All right. Last question: uh, What's one thing you can't live without? Material item. This is going to be like the one thing that I
1: said I wanted to disinvent. Uh <laughs> one thing I can't live without.
0: Like let's say you go on uh, a across yeah. the world, what's one thing you bring in? That you um, always bring.
1: Dude, I am I'm a huge peanut butter and jelly guy. Like I I I I love peanut butter and jelly. I can't go a day without peanut butter and jelly. I mean, I can't go a day. That's stupid. ah, uh, uh, what what would I I don't know, man. Like I feel like I have to work out. Is that weird? Like I, I, no. I, I can't go a da- day. Not, I can go days without it, but like I'm not the same person. I, yeah, I just I have no, to I feel a little off. Yeah, like I, I have to, yeah, I have to sweat out all the the, the bad stuff because mm-hmm. I'm not even the same person. Sure. I, I, I just feel like working out that firm now for it's me is just a big thing. Too. Yeah, I just, yeah, I got to sure. do it.
2: I got to do it. So 120 pound dumbbell, that's what you're bringing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 20 pound dumbbell. dumbbell. No,
1: I'm going to do push ups and stuff on I'm there. I'm not going to have to bring it. I'm, I'm saving room in my bag. I can do push ups and sit ups on You know, it's smart. I'm thinking yeah, outside the hand box. Hand. Like, punch, right,
0: and the last thing we're going to do is I've got these walls up here. Yeah, the oh, these walls, uh, the clock's up here. Oh. Um, each guest smashes one and then they'll write a quote and sign their name. So just kind of keep up there. Yeah. So what's your quote?
1: I don't, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Sorry. I, I'm going to do it when I get done. Do I have to do it on camera? Just, yeah. Tell the people. Tell the people make what sure doesn't, is.
0: We don't have insurance. So. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's probably the, That's best
1: the biggest, hit, man. That's <laughs> probably <laughs> the biggest <laughs> hit we've had. Oh, oh dude. I don't, That's perfect. Right, man. I don't I play. Watching, man. Sure. Thank you guys. Seriously. Yeah, thank you. Thank you